First you count to one. First you count to one. Then you count to two. One, two. Then you count to three. Then you count to one, two, three, four. Welcome back to one, two, three, four. The podcast for people new to golf. Uh, we've had a really great uh, hour here. I've been talking to my good friend uh, Jack Dupree. That's right, Chip. Uh, uh, we've been uh, we've been we've been going over the basics, uh, and uh, you I know, think I, we covered a lot of useful ground there I think, for sure. I, I think a lot of folks are going to be ready uh, to to grapple with the exciting sport of golf uh, in a way that they weren't uh, before they listened to this. Uh, yeah, I wanted to cover one more thing. Sure. Uh, before we go, if uh, you've listened to the whole hour up till now, you you've you've got your driver out of the golf bag yeah so it's already in your hands we've gone over the process of grabbing it by the the head the the part that's sticking out of the bag yeah i don't know what that part's called that's real important always remember upwards if you try and pull sideways it's not gonna come anywhere you know what i see a lot of people do is they kick the bag over and then they kind of pull the bottom of the bag and just leave all the the the, yeah which the swingy sticks on the ground i want to emphasize it's an okay way to go if you need to get at the swingy sticks and you don't know what's going on. No one's gonna. No one's gonna tell you you're doing it wrong there. But remember, you can pull one out and leave the bag behind. That's. It's a real. It's a pro tip. It's gonna improve your game. It's a uh, lot more elegant. Yeah, you'll 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 catch a lot of people's eye doing it with that that better method yeah, of pulling it gonna, out of the it's top. It's gonna make an impression on the the links as we call them. And and as we discussed, links. That's just a word for the grass that you play golf on, and not not breakfast sausage. Don't try and play golf on those. It's very difficult. Right, right. Uh, but I wanted to talk about uh, the dimples on the golf ball. We mentioned this earlier, and, and we didn't get a chance to explore it, really. But I just want to emphasize, a golf ball is a small white object. It has, quote-unquote, dimples, but they are not like the dimples on a cheek. Dimples on a cheek, that's part of a human face. They're sort of indentations, and they're, they're you know, a net funicello, adorable, but that is not what you want to hit with the swingy stick. Do not aim for human dimples. You're looking for a small white ball with divots in it. Little, little. Oh, you're talking about the ball notches. Yeah, yeah, Okay, exactly. I, never, I, I, hadn't heard the, I hadn't heard the technical term. Yeah, dimples. no, no. They uh, in the Air Force they call those dimples. Okay, in the uh, Air Force, right? Learned that from my father. Sure. Uh, so yeah, you know, by all means, you see a golf ball, go ahead and and hit that thing, but don't don't go hitting people in the cheeks because that's just there's something real confusing about this because you can't always when you see a golf ball hit it with the hitty stick because sometimes you're on the wrong part of the course and. Apparently, like one of the balls belongs to you, others belong to other people, and if you hit, it's a real confusing matter. The wrong yeah. one. So I, did, I just wanted to pause and just have that little tangent there. You can't just hit one when you yeah. see it. Proceed with caution. And right. and another thing, if you're in a sporting goods store, don't hit them while they're still in the box on the shelf. That's a real problem. There's been a lot of trouble with that. You don't. A lot don't, of our listeners have have let us know that that was we kind of steer, yeah. we in, unintentionally we had covered that in more detail. Yeah. We weren't trying to set you up for trouble there, but yeah. you know, think about it. Think about am I on grass? If I'm not on grass. Probably shouldn't start swinging. The we stick. really should have said that first. That one's entirely on us. But uh, but we're about out of time here. So I thank you so much for listening in to one two three four. Next up, we got one the two three crap. four. Uh, I, I love the way you sing it, Jack. Yeah. You got a great voice. Thanks, Jim. Uh, next up, we got the crap shoot. Uh, some fellows who I think they 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 fire weaponry at feces. I think I, I, you know, I tried listening to it, but there just wasn't that much about golf, so I didn't you know, really it's, follow it. It's, it's. Uh, I, I, I mean, I kind of have that area of expertise about. And golf. I worry, I worry. What if they're just talking really advanced golf? Because you know, we try and keep it simple. We try and keep right. it being better, and and I don't know. But uh, anyway, they, they seem like nice enough guys. Sure, we're we're done. Here. Thank you again so much, Jack Dupree, for joining me here on one two three four. Chip, it's always it's always the best pleasure. Thank I, you. Uh, I, I I enjoy it greatly. Uh, I am uh, Chip Man again and uh this has been one two three four you have a great day out there on the grass we'll stay on the grass we'll see you on the on the golf grass
Hey, welcome to the crapshoot. Uh, episode uh, four, I guess this technically is. Uh, although we still haven't started actually airing these yet. So uh, who knows what decisions will be made down the line. Maybe this will be the Mystery Lost episode four and we'll record another episode four. Uh, really leading off with a sense of confidence here. That's how I like to start a show. I'm Josh Millard, uh, your host numero uno. And uh, with me, as always, is uh, Jesse Holden, your host numero mostest. Uh, Good I, one. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, yeah. For, thanks for the intro. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell this is our fourth. <laughs> We've done at least three of these already. You can you can blurb that one. Put that one on the back of your book. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's a, that's a solid setup. <laughs> it is just us uh, today. No, no, no guests, no uh, third parties, no third legs holding up our uh, discursive stool, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just going to BS as we are wont to do when we sit down around beer, even when there's not a podcast going on. Uh, we didn't really discuss anything we were going to discuss uh, today. I don't know that we were having it. You, you were asking how my day was before we hit record. Yeah, and, yeah. And I said we were doing a thing, and then I tried to type words while I told you that, and I think I said something like, yeah, we did a I, mm, which is about what happens when I try and deal with two strings of... Uh, verbal. I'm te- I'm terrible at it. I, I my brain is a single core processor that can only have one thing running yeah. at a time. Yeah, and it's interesting to me because not everybody is like that. I've noticed like uh, I, my wife is uh, significantly better at like she can do she can read something and talk or, or 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 talk and write something down. You know, to some extent, and I just I completely cannot. You know, it's like if I try. I lose track of both, or if I'm like listening to something while writing, I'll end up typing random words from what I'm listening to <laughs> instead of what I was nominally trying to, you know, put down on paper. Yeah, it's that I let just words I overhear invade my brain and stream of consciousness so easily that I do the exact same thing while yeah. I'm writing it seems the words that I'm hearing without realizing that I'm doing it. So I'm very impressed when someone can actually pull that off. But, you know uh, what my dad does that always drove me crazy, and but now uh, I'm starting to do myself, uh, is that when you talk to him when he's concentrating on something else, it's like you're leaving an answering machine message, and then just like one, two, three minutes later, he'll just answer you as if you had just said it. Like he doesn't realize <laughs> there was a delay. It's like he, he's just checking. You can tell he's just kind of mentally checking his messages real quick. Yeah. And it was a problem because he, he, he would get... You like zero in on a cute girl anytime you saw one walking by. So like driving with him would just be like stutter stop conversations all the time. <laughs> so I'm not that bad about that part, but yeah, it's the same thing where I'll just like realize that I'm responding to something that happened like a minute ago, and I'm the only one who feels like it just happened. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I don't have a whole lot of trouble with uh, nonverbal stuff. Like I can I can multitask in a in a general sense, but. Uh... But yeah, that's why. That's why you know I, I typically had never really listened to podcasts at all until I don't know a year or two. I mean, I've been doing the Metafilter one for like six years now. Right. <laughs> I don't listen to those because like I don't want to listen to myself talking about stuff I just said. It's like uh, I was there. I, oh God! Uh, I and the podcasts I made for uh, in the cut, I'd listen to myself obsessively. Oh, so see. I'm so uh, my own worst critic in a lot of ways that I just have to just pour over it because I feel like that's the only way I get better. Is just nitpicking all of my shortcomings which is fair which is fair i mean i think uh, as a musician certainly i've spent a ton of time you know uh, especially with stuff that i've recorded you know listening to my own stuff and and there's you know some value in there but i also and we've talked about this before but i, I it gets really easy for me to drive myself batshit so mm. I've, I've really been trying to embrace the uh, you know what it, it was uh, felt pretty good let's uh, keep it you mm. know sort of approach to things that's gonna behoove you real well on this project <laughs> given how well the intro has gone yep yeah i feel like uh, i'm nailing it yeah uh, let's just say that was great and just, as far as we know it will have yeah, been it was fine yeah i mean not I'd, like we're ever gonna listen to i'd it like again. to this is this is this is one of the great uh bits of and i mean great not as in awesome and i'm super but but great as in large as in looming uh one of the, one of the great uh, delusions of grandeur that i entertained a lot as a as a, a young songwriter and uh, still do occasionally when nobody's looking is the idea that the, the, the process through which I go in working on a creative project and iterating it and, and the, the notes I make and the, the changes that I make are somehow going to be really interesting mm. to, you know, some cultural studies, you know, professor or, or, or class like, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, or, you know, a hundred years from now, they'll, 
for some reason come up with the mp3s of that podcast i was doing in 2013 and be like sure now that's fascinating you can see how you know <laughs> in episode four this but by episode seven there this the change that the, the voice the narrative thrust of the intro you know it's like you know, I daydreaming a little bit that after you're dead, someone will write a thesis. Sure. You know, which is actually kind of maybe a sad little dream because it's like someone will pay too much to go to grad school and then try and make something coherent out of a thing I did. It's not when you think it through, it doesn't seem like actually that flattering of a of a daydream. But yeah. Uh, no, I get. I understand the sentiment though, because it's yeah. I mean, because you 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 become so invested in the process yourself that it that it becomes like all encompassing and interesting to you that uh, that it's hard to see why it's so fucking boring to anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> so all this by way of introducing what, how your day was. My day was good. Yeah. So so uh, so uh, we have cats. Is yeah yeah is, is how my day went. My we we have cats and. They're adorable. There's two of them, and and they're great, and we love them. But they're also stupid, fucking horrible little creatures mm. because they do. The thing is, cats are really fucking dumb. I mean, they're 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 smart-ish for small animals. I mean, I don't mean to like say you know in the animal kingdom, but as as people who live in your house, cats are pretty terrible. They're, <laughs> they're among the stupidest people in your house. Yes, usually, like yeah. if 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 they were my friends and they acted the way they act, they would not be my friends anymore. Like sure. they would not get to come over at all if they pulled that shit. But they're cats, so it's like you can't blame them for being you know stupid, and so they do things like pee where they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And that's a big one for me because the problem with peeing where you shouldn't is that place smells like pee after that. And cat pee is like really, cat pee is like special as far as I can tell. Like cats really have awful fucking pee. And I think also the fact that they can be subtle about it so they can pull it off a few times maybe if they're doing it out of the way before you figure it out. And then there's a lot of cat pee there. So a cat, uh, they, they've peed in various places in the house and we no longer put rugs down because they just will pee on them eventually. Sure. Uh, and so what's there's an old saying never ascribe to malice what can be adequately explained by ignorance or what is it yes stupidity yeah so i feel like cats are that except like literally the exact opposite yeah like anything they could do that could be ascribed to malice you can pretty much guarantee that it was malicious that they're doing it just to hurt you if you've ever watched a cat just knock a glass off a table and then just sort of sit there it's like you are a motherfucker you are the worst thing i have encountered (laughs) in my life but they're adorable. Uh, so yeah, so cat peed upstairs, and, and my, you know my wife has a, a, a craft room slash study, mm. um, you know, a couple desks, and does schoolwork up there, and, sure, sure. and, and crafts and such. And uh, and she, uh, no, no, belch right in the mic. That's don't don't be shy like that. That's, no, I would rather not belch in. <laughs> it's right in somebody's poor ear. Think, think about the cultural study students. That you know they'll. Well, I think we've, we've adequately marked the belch for future generations. I like the cultural <laughs> studies teacher you did an impression of. Sounded like Vincent Price. Do they clone him in the future? I don't know. I don't, I don't even know what that was. I'm not sure I can start. What? Did it sound so... I, I don't even know what it was doing. It was, it was very... I was surprised hearing it come out of my mouth. I wasn't sure what character that was exactly. Uh, I just, it was a little bit like... Uh, Vincent Price, except just a little bit flamboyant. Yeah. Like yeah. a little bit Market Street. Friends and Price. I, I was. Right, I was. Am I thinking I, of the right street in San Francisco? No, Castro District. I'm thinking yeah, of the wrong. I, thing. I, yeah, I don't know my San Francisco. Well I just enough, get so. lost in San Francisco yeah. and varying stages of heterosexuality. Have, have you ever left anything there? Left anything in San Francisco? Um, I feel like you're setting me up for some kind of a joke, <laughs> but I, I don't know. Hold on, let me let me just Wikipedia that okay, set up yeah, here. I'll yeah. get back to you. <laughs> anyway, so the cat pissed up there and we have carpet on the the, the the second floor and and so then it was like okay this room is no longer a place where we can have carpeting and uh so we went to home depot and we looked at some some vinyl plank flooring which is what we ended up going with it's like you know three foot by six inch stuff you lay it down there's adhesive in each piece that sticks together so it's a it's a floating floor uh, uh i think that's the term something like that hmm. um basically it's it's not you're not like gluing it to the ground it's actually sort of technically not attached to anything except for itself, but it's the size of a floor, so it's not like it's going anywhere. Right. Um, also, I think it makes it a lot easier to take it out if you decide you don't want it anymore. And you just cut it to the size of just the entire room? Yeah, well, it's, you know, like a uh, half a foot by three foot planks, and so you buy oh, a bunch of boxes of them, and you lay them down one after another and cut the pieces to fit a little bit where you need to. And actually, oh. it went really quickly. We did a room's like 180 square feet or something, and we did like... 
three, three and a half hours work to get it done, which was fat. I thought it was going to be all day. So, so that is nice. And it looks nice. And you know, it's not, it's not real wood, but you know, it's not like carpets, real wood either. So I'd say we're not moving downwards. Plus if the cat pees there, it's just like, you know, a hard, you know, solid surface. So that, that cat pee will just be there, but the cats probably won't because that would be too easy. You know, yeah, they'll find a more harmful place to be. Yeah, now. exactly. Eventually, the whole upstairs will probably end up having you know plank flooring instead of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so that you was might, you, you could know. save a lot of time just by surrendering that surrendering the house to them at this point and just finding yourself another little place <laughs> to live. Like build yourself a little shed out back that you can like sleep and conduct your business in. If I could wave a magic wand, I would just like cause them to have always been outdoor cats because outdoor <laughs> cats die sooner on average and they, it's a bit rougher. But at the same time, they pee outside, and mm. I really appreciate that. Sure. So, sure. Uh, and I grew up with outdoor cats uh, rather than indoor cats, so it's been sort of a learning process having these guys. But uh, yeah, I've only ever had outdoor cats when I was younger. Um, I didn't know I was allergic to cats. I just thought I just had like chronic sinus problems or whatever. We had a cats in the house and it was just like constantly, constantly like, like itchy, watery eyes and runny nose and stuff. Um, now, luckily, they've come up with some pretty good uh, anti-venoms that I can take when I'm coming to a house like yours that has cats in it, but I can't live with one anymore. Uh, but yeah, they, they've always been outdoor cats, so that's what I've been accustomed to for sure. And this has been Cats. This has been the Cats Hour. Cats Cast. I'm Josh. <laughs> With our notional, who knows if there will be one at the front of this uh, episode because we haven't edited it together yet, uh, fake out intros. We could totally do a Cat Cast fake out intro. I think we just kind of did. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll just, yeah, we'll, we'll cut that out. We just out, thought we were doing a sincere bit. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you got any uh, big topics to mind? Any things... Uh, that have been uh, provoking thoughts in you lately? God, no, not really. I, I mean, nothing, nothing. Like, <laughs> I mean, is I'm, I'm really sorry, but <laughs> as super boring as that story about putting a new floor in was, I don't have anything that even meets that mark from my last week. I really, I've just been like working and I don't know, watching movies and stuff. Something's happening. What's oh gosh, uh, that's a uh, that's our heater. That this oh, is something okay. actually I was just talking about with my wife. Is like uh, the. One problem uh, with this basement is uh, there's it's a the thing basement that makes noise the, intermittently. Yeah, really the furnaces. <laughs> yeah, we turned the heat on the other day because it's finally right. gotten cold. Yeah, uh, so we'll see how obnoxious this is in practice uh, listening back. But uh, I think it'll just be be some whirring for now, and we'll have to think about what to do about that. It's ramping up. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's getting excited. It's uh, one thing we could do is just turn off the heat while podcasting would probably be a real simple. Uh, solution because we're already sitting in the cold basement so it's not right. like you know yeah i think everyone should suffer when we do exactly for sure you know, what, that's what if, the point of this podcast if you're listening right now and you're not <laughs> cold go outside or something yeah get some ice cubes uh, put a bunch of ice cubes in a ziploc baggie and then like tape it to your chest or something you know just just i think they probably a, have already done this i don't i don't I, think you need to tell them that is pretty much probably the core demo for, for the course yeah for this uh Man, speaking of weather, actually, I wanted to say this: there's been some really shitty weather the last couple of days, and I'm so happy. This is this is actually the like it's been windy as hell. It's been super rainy. It's been just kind of miserable. You go outside and you're wet immediately, and and uh, I'm 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 pleased. I've been uh, this is what I you know sit through that horrible sunny warm weather of summer for like you know. I it really it makes me real happy when the weather turns like this in Portland. I mean, it's a little sketchy just because, you know, it, when it starts and then the wind just starts whipping through. Like I, I was dri- I was driving out of town yesterday and I saw like thirty or forty different like trees ripped, you know, down the middle and branches in the road and stuff like that. It's 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 a little harrowing, um, but it's also so. I mean, just I, I just literally I wake up and I look outside and I'm like, yes, this is Portland. This is the Portland I love. Um, yeah, I love I love miserable weather. It's supposed to, I mean, I was bu- I bought candles on the way here tonight because uh, it's supposed to be fifty mile an hour winds tonight. So and the, I've already had the power go out a couple times just for a split second yeah. in the last couple of days. Has, have you been okay up here? Yeah, we haven't noticed anything. Uh, we keep sort of expecting it because uh, yeah, it's not super unlikely that we'll have an outage. We're a little bit up in North Portland on the peninsula here, so it's a little bit easier. There's a bit less redundancy, so something can go out and stay out a little bit longer hmm. Hmm. Uh, sure but uh but yeah so far so far so good it crossed my mind that this i mean recording this podcast we might get like 
if if the weather took a sudden and abrupt turn for the much worse, we could just end up being stuck here doing this podcast, and it yep. would be a snowed in, you know. I mean, the power would be out too, I guess, in that scenario. So we'd just be talking to each other. Well, we could run, you know, off the the USB power on the on yeah, the, that's true. The laptop. Yeah, so. this this could get exciting. because yes. it sure as fuck isn't right now. We could just <laughs> we could just we could just turn off the basement lights and pretend that we're almost there. Yeah. Well, can we get your wife to like flicker the lights on and off a oh, little bit I, while I, we I, do I it? I bet if we asked her really nicely, she'd wonder what the hell was wrong with us. <laughs> Maybe she'll maybe she'll do that anyways. <laughs> I'm looking at our uh, <laughs> looking uh, at our list of, of topic brainstorms that we've made periodically. We've scribbled things. down. I'm not aware of this. Oh, that, that I've scribbled <laughs> down. Some of them are things we were discussing while planning podcast oh, stuff. Sure. Some of them were things that came up in passing. Some of them were just ideas I had. But that, this, this is the thing: I have written uh, Jew cash versus Jew cash. Uh, or <laughs> Jew, oh, you know, Jew cash versus Jew cachet, uh-huh. uh, which uh, that's a little bit tricky to unpack. I think we were discussing, well, we were discussing clearly the concept of the word cash as in money versus cash as in like a memory cash or a cash of gold versus cachet as in standing or credibility or, or creditor or whatever. Um, but I do you have any memory of this because no, I you know it's I <laughs> even if I did I feel like I would have to pretend I didn't because I, there's no way I want to be on the spot explaining what that where that <laughs> I'm came imagining from. we were a few beers in whenever this came They're up probably. but yeah does the phrase Jew cash mean anything to you oh yeah okay yeah I do remember this now what yeah. were we talking about because I'm I'm completely blanking I don't I mean I mean I don't even know how great of a story it was great to me at the time because it had just happened and, and um, I thought it was kind of funny but uh, I don't even know how great of a story this is I was uh, I was visiting a friend of mine uh, Nicole she has two real young kids Benjamin and Charlene Benjamin I think is three years old and they had just moved into a new house and they had a big backyard now and they were, so we were playing all these games out back as you know he's so fun he, i'm so enamored with this kid he's so great to hang out with he just makes up games on the spot and stuff and he and uh i was about to leave and i'm like okay one more game and and he's like all right well let's go on a treasure hunt and i'm like okay and so i um i, I he's like put, put me you know uppy put, put me up in your shoulders and so i put him up on my shoulders and he's like you know he has one hand on top of my head and he's using the other hand to like point me around and uh, direct me around to like he's like oh I'm like okay is the treasure over here and he's like no no go over that way and so we we finally get and he's uh and we get to some just little spot in the yard and uh, he's like okay you know put me down and so I put him down and he grabs a stick and he starts digging and he goes we got to find in the Jew cash and I'm like w- we have to and he's like the Jew cash we got to dig the Jew cash is down here and I was like. Jesus Christ! Um, no, that's a different religion. Are we looking for the treasure? Right? Can we just call it treasure? <laughs> it's like, yeah, the Jew cash. And so we're digging and digging, and in uh, I don't, you know, there's nothing actually buried there, so we just kind of are just like pretending or whatever. Anyway, uh, on my way, and so I'm trying to leave, and like I'm saying goodbye to his mom, Nicole, and uh, and I'm like, hey Ben, tell tell your mom what we were looking for, and he looks at me like I'm an idiot, and he's like, treasure, and I'm like. No, yeah, but like, didn't wasn't there a special kind of treasure we found? <laughs> and he's and Benjamin's like, what? I don't know. And I'm like, didn't you say we were digging up? And then I just mouthed it, which I can't do for the podcast. But like, you cash. And uh, but while I was doing it, I wasn't looking at him. I was looking at his mom with a really like one eyebrow raised, like, you cash. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> who are these people and his mom says oh yeah him and his dad just got into geocaching <laughs> <laughs> well, and I was, oh god it was like a just a weight was lifted i was i did not know how to navigate that conversation otherwise so oh. yeah i mean for if anybody doesn't know geocaching is like a, a hobby wherein you hide uh, items in various, yeah, you, like you, in a forest or yeah, a you, national you, park you or something. You bury something somewhere. in a park, yeah. and then you and then you on a forum on the internet or something. You post just like uh, geographic coordinates, yep. and then someone else can find it and 
take a trinket and leave something, leave a note or whatever. It's just yeah. kind of like an ongoing, like adult citywide scavenger hunt thing that people do. I yeah, guess I've never done it, so I don't know. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's sort of like a weird sort of on. It's sort of, sort of sort of like a rolling cooperative scavenger hunt thing where you have sure. people go and find these things and then like maybe take something and leave something and people have different rules for what to do with a given cash and hmm. sometimes they'll have a note in it and yeah it's a it's a it's a hobby people yeah. do it sure doesn't necessarily involve Judaism right right so okay that's it's a relief I mean I, I figured that I figured that out but it's still nice to hear it from you anyway Joe Joe Cash Joe Cash he's yeah. just a little kid yeah. so he just that's that's the only way I could hear it it's basically that's uh, just a step above a cat you know, it's his version of a uh, 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 pissing on uh, a right. carpet linguistically. Right. And then he started talking about the elders of Zion. And I was just so, I was like, oh, God, here we go again. <laughs> but seriously, those darned elders. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. It's a terrible mistake, says Pileva. But the Italian magistrates intend to probe. Her mind she left Friday on a plane to Siberia Leaving her medal and reputation behind It's a terrible mistake, says Pileva The Italian magistrates intend to probe Her mind she left Friday on a plane to Siberia and we're back. That was uh, something that uh, happened after we stopped talking, but before we started talking again. And uh, that's all we know at the moment. I couldn't agree more. Yep. Uh, we were we, we were briefly discussing just now uh, some of the things we had talked about uh, last time the two of us were talking. Uh, we're talking about mixtapes for one thing. Quick callback to mixtapes. I did. Sure. I did finish making my mixtape that I needed to make, so that was good. And re- remind me a little bit on that was you you were intermingling old, like off of cassette tapes, yeah, well, your well, own voice. Yeah, yeah well, literally the entire the entire mix CD was uh, from the content of this old collection of cassettes I had, which included mixtapes I'd gotten from people and some commercial tapes that I had. And uh, a couple dubs of albums and a couple of demo recordings I'd made myself. So it was like sort of trying to make this hodgepodge of this 1997 give or take uh, sort of collection of stuff that I happen to own. And so, yeah, I put it together with uh, songs mixed in with uh, bits of my old college radio show, which, Mm. holy shit, we should talk about that in (laughs) a minute. But uh, uh, my old college radio show... Uh, and uh, a couple mixtapes uh, from my high school girlfriend, so her talking and a couple of my friends talking on that, and and uh, bits and pieces from Doctor Demento too. I snagged a couple little pieces of of jokey songs or audio bits uh, to use as as bumpers between songs too. Uh-huh. So and it came out pretty okay. I, uh, I the the weirdest thing about it was honestly trying to figure out how to navigate the territory of using audio from my high school girlfriend. Right, right. Uh, that was the first thing that I thought. Because yeah, because it, it's a little bit weird. Because on the you know, so I ended up just using a, a few little bits and sort of stayed away from anything weird. Because I, I mostly didn't want to be like, okay, I'm totally going to take advantage of the fact that I have, you know, sort of. Uh, None of it was even super personal, but still, like that's sort of like you know, this is like you know, your girlfriend records herself talking, sends it to you. She you know, doesn't expect it to be sent out to members e- of a e- website. Exactly. So I tried yeah. to stay away from anything that like you know could conceivably be sort of discomforting in that way. Sure. Uh, in the it's well deeply it's, unlikely chance that somehow one of these five CDs ended up anywhere. Well, even that is just out of respect for her that you would want to do yeah. something that not, wouldn't want to do something that was she wouldn't approve of or whatever. But uh, it's it, that's a pretty personal project, no matter what. I mean, is that that. That's, I'm, I, I've, I, I don't know that I've heard any of the Mephi, uh CD swap stuff from anybody else, but that seems especially personal it, it, way it, of tackling that. Yeah, I think it's I think it's probably kind of on the unusual side, and hopefully people. I, I ended up writing it ended up being twenty nine tracks on the CD, including all those little bits, you know. So probably mm, right. probably like sixteen, seventeen songs, and then you know sure. another dozen of filler bits or whatever, and. 
and I ended up writing like the 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 track list is a totally opaque series of my you know quick summary of thoughts on the content of it. So I didn't name any of the songs. Mm. I didn't provide the artists. It's just uh, it was basically it was a real pain in the ass conceptual you know art piece dick wank sort of. <laughs> Sure, part, sure. But hey, I don't I don't make a particularly compelling mixtape uh, in the vanilla sense, so I figure, what the heck, you know, why not do something weird? But uh, yeah, I, I I did participate in a CD exchange on a forum I was on in the in the in the way old days, um, and uh, the the one I sent out was I I I kind of origamied out of a piece of paper a two disc sleeve that kind of folded open. So on the one side it was a. It was uh, there was one disc was called Heart and one disc was called Skull and and <laughs> so it was kind of sort of love songs with kind of an edge to them and then sort of like angry loud songs with sort of a loving undertone to them that kind of meant to be yeah. mirror uh, and it, and of course in my mind it was this genius you know curatorial masterpiece uh and uh and i sent it out it's, i don't know i was pretty happy with it and i got a half dozen or more from other people and it was fun it was a really fun project the cool thing about it that i think is lost now um i mean you know if i was 17 or 19 now I probably wouldn't be doing that um the because I, I mean i remember the first time i burned a cd out of itunes that was an mp3 cd which means you can fit hundreds and hundreds of songs on a disc because they're being encoded they're not being encoded as uh, AIFF or whatever CD's native format is um, and mastered in that way. They're just being written as MP3s with whatever kind of index a MP3 CD player could read it yeah. in addition to a computer. And it, it just immediately, I was like, this sucks. This sucks. Like being handed a CD that has like, hey, check out this music. And it has like hundreds and hundreds of songs on it. I'm just, there's the likelihood that I'm just going to dig in and have fun with that is so low because there's no curatorial aspect to it. Yeah. And, um, of course, you know that the the idea of an MP3 CD was pretty. It was not long for this world, just because the march of progress and internet speeds got so much better that now just stream everything all the time. Yeah. That happened pretty quickly. And I remember it being a, a really exciting thing. It was like, like the MP3 CD was like, oh my god, there's like ten fucking albums on right, this disc, right. and then DVDs came along, and it was like, holy shit, there's like a hundred and fifty albums on right. this disc. You know, and it, it was just like. And it was really easy at the time to get super excited about the notion of this. Like, in retrospect, it's like, it's so fucking dumb. It's like, what, why on earth would I want a DVD full of MP3s? Why wouldn't I just put it on my hard drive and, you know, well, I can, you can, I can get, back you it can up get to a like thumb a, drive. You can get like a CD player to. for your car that played MP3 CDs and well, stuff. Yeah, like, there was, the there was a brief time where it was sort of like a functional alternative to having, you know, just a phone that carried 100,000 songs or whatever. Um, but yeah, I hated it right away because I, I really, and this is again, re, kind of retreading the mixtape argument, but the, I love the curatorial aspect of it. And I love making hard decisions about what goes on and what doesn't. I love picking a song you like 1% less because it works 10% better with the songs that come before and after it in that yeah. mix. It's, it, I really, that was just so sweet. Like it's, there's a sort of a self-important uh, artisanship to it that that was just completely you know again masturbatory but so fun to get into um <laughs> like and, masturbation yeah yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah and that's i th- i think i i've never really had a whole lot of confidence about that sequencing thing like that's why the art project thing works for me because like i can do something weird and personal in a way that like you know that's not replicatable just by uh strong mixing sensibilities mm. You know, so it's like that's a thing where like I know I'm going to make a tape or, or make a CD that's a mix CD out of my collection of tapes better than any else one could because I've got more access to those right. tapes at all. You know, it's like right. it's a comparative advantage, a whole economic theory we could discuss because <laughs> it's a fun one. But, uh, but speaking yeah. of follow up, though, I was out. Um, if you, if you if you don't mind me like jumping topics, no jump leap. Uh, I was uh, I was Bound. At, I was out at a bar and I met a guy who uh, was a physics major, and uh, I was with my girlfriend and she said, "Do you want to ask him the question?" Right, because she's already sick of this. This was about type the swinging shit. thing. The, yeah, the the threesome thing. The... No, no. So you you're getting a little confused now. <laughs> you're talking about our other secret <laughs> podcast where we use our <laughs> pen names. Um. Because because I you know I get stuck on these stupid questions and then I can't let them go. So she's already sick of hearing about it. So she's like doesn't even have to say what she's saying talking about. What you just do you want to fucking ask him a question now that you just found out he's a physicist? And I was like, yeah, I will. And so I said, so you know, 
is assuming a human being had the strength because I've already at this point due to our conversation I've I've internalized the fact that no human is strong enough to we should, achieve we should, escape velocity we should state and throwing the a baseball. premise here for anyone who isn't remembering two episodes ago if we actually aired that one that yes the question was could a human throw a human on the moon throw a baseball into the sun there was two, it was kind of a two-part question one is could could you someone do it standing on the surface of the moon and throw it into the sun in terms of fu- pure physical strength of an, uh, an actual human versus the gravity of the moon but the more interesting question to me and the one I, the one i wanted to get to uh was in in if you can are you aiming straight at the apparent position of the sun or are do you have to somehow compensate for its orbit through the galaxy and it, because it's as soon as we get into conversations about frames of reference i start to get really really confused but also really interested because it's really it's hard for me to track that sort of thing because the sun is stationary in relation to the orbits of the planets that are coming around it but it's also obviously in motion in in relation to the orbit of the galaxy and everything so when i throw at it what frame of reference am i using in terms of how i determine my aim so i asked him that and he he said well there's two things one is uh, it's a different question whether you are throwing it off the surface of the moon or, or as you kind of proposed as a alternate phrasing of the question, f- from a point in space that distance from the Earth that the moon is. Uh, because when you're on the surface of the moon and you're throwing, the ball is bound by the orbit of the moon that it's in while it's passing out of the moon's gravity well. Ah, so as the moon maybe rotates towards the sun, you would be throwing it straight up as the moon t- as the moon approached, like basically high noon on the moon. High noon on the moon. There's a good episode title. <laughs> That's that, that is a that is a western I want to see. This is <laughs> just, uh... <laughs> uh, so if you if you imagine the orbit of the moon, you're kind of throwing it straight up as the you know you're, you're because it's being held in a certain way by the gravity of the moon, but. Um, but you are it, it, so in that sense, you you don't throw it directly at the sun. But if you were in space outside of any meaningful gravity, well, you would throw it directly at the apparent position of the sun. And I said, well, so is is that because the sun is? Why is the sun arbitrarily stationary in the frame of reference you're choosing? And he said, because the sun's gravity is the only is the only aspect that really comes into play in any way and so its position is for the sake of this thought experiment is stationary because there's no larger center of gravity that's overwhelming it in any way so yeah you if you were in space uh that distance from the sun you would throw it directly at the sun and you wouldn't be concerned about the sun's movement through galactic space moving it out of the path of the ball so I thought that was interesting, and it made immediate sense to me, and I felt dumb for not thinking about it that way and immediately realizing the answer to the question. But well, it's, there you it's have a it. nice thing about people who know what they're doing in a specific, right. you know, field. he could have been they, shining they, me they, on they too. Know. It could be he totally could wrong. Yeah. I don't know, but he was convincing, which is he what wasn't I like. even a physicist. No, he was a he was a physician, right? He was a. He was trying to sell me drugs. What's yes. that? Yes. Physi- I thought that was physicist. What is that? No, no. <laughs> I mean, that's a chemist. That's a chemist, oh, as yes, I understand. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I think I think the uh, the finale of Breaking Bad just aired, and uh, I think it did. I yeah, think so, but of which I'm, I'm two episodes behind, and I and I'm so spoiler averse. I'm insanely. I, I'm this season spoiler. behind. We're, oh, okay. we're, we're caught up to the end of season five or whatever, or sure. episode eight. Was this like? one season split in two or something like that this was yeah okay so we're, we're we're up to before the break i guess okay you know and so yeah I, I don't know what's going on it's it's a tough thing maybe we've discussed this previously but uh since my job is moderating metafilter and one of the things people like to do on metafilter is talk about things it's right. the main thing people like to do on metafilter really right uh and one of the things they like to talk about is contemporary media there are threads about Breaking Bad and there's been long arguments and discussions about how to deal with people who are spoiler averse and Metafilter's policy is basically avoid threads about something where you can reasonably expect spoilers that you don't want to see. So right, like, you know, right. no one should run into an unrelated thread and shout Breaking Bad spoilers. Like that's a dick move and we'll delete that and probably give you the day off. <sighs> Excuse me. Um, that wasn't directly in the mic. I can see you're meeting I, me halfway on yeah, this burp I, thing. I'm, yeah, I figured we, we can compromise on this. <laughs> that was a, and yes, that was an off mic belch. Uh, the full force of it may have uh, driven me to the red line here. I don't want to. I don't want the signal to peak, so I had to divert. 
but yeah, so people talk about stuff, and, and basically we say, hey, yeah, don't uh, if you don't want to read Breaking Bad spoilers, don't go into the thread that says the Breaking Bad finale aired to blah 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 critical thing da 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 da, da and sure, then there's sure. 400 comments that are probably going to have some spoilers in there. Just stay out. You know, people are. We don't want people rot thirteening everything because it just makes this thread a pain in the ass to read. Mm-hmm. There's no specific. There's no internal spoiler support. It's just like, don't go to spoily looking threads if you don't want to be spoiled. Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be so much gray area there. It's it's, it's frustrating. Tricky. And, you know, I mean, especially like Game of Thrones is kind of the canonical gray area mm-hmm. example because people who have seen the show haven't necessarily read the books, and people who've read the books obviously know what's about to happen in the show and so on and so forth. And people who read the books want to have a conversation about like what's about to happen. How are they going to treat this event? You know, yeah. things like that. How are they going to shoot it? Yeah, so it can um, be tricky to figure out where to... And that's definitely been a... a, a recurring bone of contention is how to navigate spoiler issues in Game of Thrones threads because of the mismatch between so many more people are watching the show now than had read the books that it's like, yeah, it's a whole different thing. But anyway, uh, enough about other people's legitimate problems. This is all about how it's tough on me as a moderator because what happens is I just stay the hell out of those threads just like I tell everybody else to. But then someone flags some shit in there. Mm. And my job is to go and see if there's a problem. And sometimes the problem is with a comment with a spoiler. And it's like I just have to... I have to like scrub my brain, you know, and I've, I've been spoiled on a number of things and I'm, I'm at peace with it because uh, there are worse things to have going on your job than finding out accidentally a detail that happened in a TV show. You haven't sure, watched. Sure. So, you know, it's like, yeah, but, yeah, poor me, but, but still it's, it's tricky. It's, it's a real sort of weird, uh, little outcome of that whole situation. And actually it, it's such a, it, it, it's such a don't think of an elephant thing for me too because I'll happen across these things and then I won't even really pay attention to them but I'll like pick up on it and I'll be like oh I need to not retain that information mm. and I'll try and like distract myself with something but I've never found anything short of like I've never gone as far as like maybe self-inflicted physical violence that might distract me but that seems like a really bad way to deal with you know media consumption. Well the problem is if you find out something that works you, you never remember what it was. <laughs> ah true true. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I think I, I think I mentioned this when we were talking about it before, but I'm insanely spoiler averse. I'm really like irrationally frustrated by spoilers, um, and I have a I have such a such a minor thing can be a spoiler to me because like even even if someone says, "Oh, this is a so and so heavy episode," or you know, "Look out for this" or something, it just it puts me in the mindset where instead of just losing myself into the piece, the movie or the show, I I just am complete like poised and waiting for that thing that they mentioned, or yeah. it just ta- it yeah, just absolutely. puts a level of separate you know uh, isolation between me and the thing and keeps me from losing myself in it, which is something I'm still able to do a lot in te- in great television and movies that I can just completely like have an out-of-body experience with it and and i'm so spoiled by that obviously but um but it makes me just like really like irrationally like venomous towards people who spoil even old stuff it's just frustrating i oh god that was i I was just thinking of something because yeah no i I, it's it's a it's a weird thing uh trying to uh fuck this is this is this is this is this is this is talking dead air. This is filled pause when you use words instead of saying things like um and uh. Because yeah. I, I had it, I'm grasping it, and I don't know what the fuck I was gonna say, but I was so gonna say it like 30 seconds ago. Uh, something about spoilers. Something. Sure. This- <laughs> hey, when you were little, did your mom ever um, put a piece of toast on a pan and then cut a hole in the center of the or a piece of bread? It's not toast yet. Right. Spoiler. It turns into toast later. Raw, raw toast. Raw toast. <laughs> Can you buy toast raw still? Yeah, I'm worried oh, about yeah. salmonella or whatever. So they cut a circle of it with it with an That's inverted the best glass thing since sliced raw toast. Yeah, so you take it, you take a cup or a glass, and you turn it upside down and you use it to cut a circular hole in the okay. center of a piece of bread, sure. and then you toss it on. A, yeah, exactly, and then you toss it on a pan, and then you break an egg right into the middle of it. No, but I'm going to. You cook that up and you flip it over and you cook it up and then and then you have like a f- little circular egg framed by the toast you've made at the same time. You never had that? No. Oh, okay. I'm going to have to because that's it's so simple and beautiful. I gotta I gotta give that a shot. I remember what I was gonna say though. Uh, you know, and to, to up the suspense, I'm gonna say it after this break where we play something that we don't know what it is yet. Which I gotta <laughs> stop saying that. But uh, it's, I, I have to be honest. We're still figuring this shit out. We'll be right back. <laughs> Okay, so uh, we're back. 
uh you can tell because i'm talking uh spoilers and 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 not this isn't really so much about spoilers it is is about being pulled out of immersion you know you having having uh what's the term for uh, breaking the spell is what i would say sure yeah 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 breaking that sense of immersion and, and drawing you pulling you out of of the narrative of the story of the experience whatever uh different cuts of films than the cut you saw the first time you saw it years and years ago mm. and you don't know you're watching a different cut mm-hmm. uh specifically when you're sh- sh- watching a shorter you know lighter on content cut is it's it's like the worst thing in the world like that's how i really truly became aware of the concept of director's cuts and you know special editions and whatnot and different studio cuts of films was uh, watching Dune for the second time, the David Lynch film, which mm-hmm. I love this film. It's it's cheesy and flawed and has all kinds of problems and it's narratively somewhat incoherent and takes huge liberties with the source material. But for all that, I love it. Uh, I love the cast. I love the look of it. I love the 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 whole aesthetic treatment that Lynch gives it. And I, I, I'm a big David Lynch fan, so you know, I'm, I'm on board. Uh, but I saw I saw it as a kid. You know, and that's part of why I think I love it. It's like I, I saw it earlier and it was one of those things that like really, you know, set it up for me because like, oh, I this is amazing. I don't know what the fuck I'm looking at because I'm like seven. Right, right. Uh, and so it left a big impression. And then I finally saw it again like years later, like in college maybe. I sat down and, and watched it with some friends. And, uh, and I spent the whole movie trying to figure out when a couple of scenes I was expecting were going to happen because then they didn't happen when I thought they were like oh they must have happened later and then it never happened and this was all stuff that was in an extended cut of it and Mm. we were watching like the theatrical release or something and I did not realize at the time that that was the situation and so I just I I spent literally yeah the whole film sitting there saying yeah but when does Paul get in the fight with the guy hmm. when he meets Stilgar and the rest of the people from 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 the the Sitch, you know when when does what does that happen? Because it kept not happening, and and then it was way too late. It's like it clearly was gone, and and it's it's such a it's a weird thing. It's like being sort of reverse spoiled for a film to not realize you're not watching the version you thought you were watching, hmm. and just like being so disoriented, so so thrown for a loop by the the bits and pieces that aren't there or weren't where you expected them to be. And that drives me crazy. And at this point, it doesn't drive me crazy so much as I think it's interesting when I, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to watch the cut. But but that was a hard lesson to learn. (laughs) I kind of wondered to some extent if I got in, like like I took more of an interest in cinema and and sort of filmmaking partly just because I was so fucking angry about this. Like, you know what? I'm going to find out who's responsible for this and I'm going to studiously pay attention to the differences between their various cuts of their film. (laughs) It's so first world problems to even bring something like that up. But I I get what you're saying. It hasn't really happened to me that way, though. It's always been, I've always seen a a more abridged version before a less abridged version. And then it's just like candy it's like yeah. it's like just like you're discovering more like you see a great director's cut like aliens and you see all this like extra stuff that they put all this work into um sometimes like the movie the abyss it's like a whole nother movie it's a whole nother take on the premise when when you see the restored entire full-length version or you know you grew up with a copy of the version you or your parents had taped off television and then you see <laughs> the actual one for the first time and it's weird but exciting and yeah. it's, it's like dirtier and like scenes going longer and like the profanity is added and stuff um but the most the most pertinent one was when you know we would always record the simpsons off television when it aired on fox and and so we would try and cut the commercials out so depending on how good we are or how johnny in the spot we were with the remote we would miss anywhere from the first 10 seconds to the first like two minutes mm. coming off a commercial so when i would see it again later or i would like pirate it off the internet and see the entire thing with the commercials more expertly clipped out i would get that extra minute in the middle <laughs> middle of this thing and these i mean these simpsons tapes were things i just watched hundreds and hundreds of times like yeah. really so much so you really internalize the like the canonical this is how this episode goes and right. then there's something new and it's like holy shit and it just fits did, right what? in though of course because it, it doesn't feel foreign it feels like of a cloth or of a piece with the rest of it but it's for the first time i've seen it and it's so exciting so yeah. i never actually had the reverse experience where i was surprised 
by what was left out. I mean, I've seen something on TV that I had seen on video before, but it was never like a surprise yeah. uh, that there was something missing, and I was never like waiting for a scene that never showed up or anything. I'm so. sure that I've had it a couple other times too, but I think Dune was the big one. Because, I mean, there was a lot of stuff in that extended version, hmm. um, and a lot of it was kind of... Like the the, the opening intro, they, they did the, like this 15 or 20 minute long opening sequence that tried to explain a bunch of the backstory of, <laughs> and you know it, it wasn't nearly enough but at the same time it was way too much and not like it was it was it was like ken burns zooms on stills of some very nice paintings of the various planets in the galaxy that played into the story of dune along with some narration and it was like this was a bad idea like i finally <laughs> went back and saw it i was like yeah no this is this should not have been in the sure. film. No, you just have to accept that people aren't going to know what the hell's going on with the backstory for your epic because, yeah, you aren't going to get Frank Herbert, you know, loaded into the first 10 minutes of a movie. Right. Uh, but then there was, uh, you know, other little bits of, you know, interesting, you know, narrative from the book or character interactions that were also in there. And, yeah, uh, yeah, it, it is a is a very weird disorienting thing. And, and uh, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I recommend it if you can uh, contrive <laughs> to accidentally see the longer version of something for the first time and then not see the shorter version until 10, 15 years later. Very, very, very fun way to think you're mentally ill. So this theory I came up with was um, everybody had these like egg bread things made for them by their moms when they were young. And they what their moms called them or what they came to know them as was so, somehow like reflective of their personality or their upbringing because everybody had a different name for them that I asked about. What what names do people have for this so, egg bread so thing? So one is... Um, uh, egg in bread is one. <laughs> That's pretty solid. Pretty mind blowing, right? That person had a pretty straightforward upbringing. Bullseye was one. Eggy in a bready <laughs> was one. That was uh, my at the time my friend's girlfriend. Um, and that was you know if I mean if you can imagine the person who's grew up calling it eggy in a bready, you've probably pretty much got her. Uh, egg in the bread hole. That was a good one. <laughs> I can't think of any. I can't, and, and the worst part is, I can't think of what we called it in my household. But it was one of my favorite things to make. That it feels like it seems like there should be a lot more names for that. In fact, it feels I, like, I think every like every like many families independently of one another stumbled across this idea in, in various ways. Raw toast and ovum. Hmm. Uh, I could believe that was what you would grow up calling uh, it. Uh, cluck and wheat. Right. Um, it's. I just thought of it as a Rorschach test, kind of for yeah. some people when what they called it. Tunnel. That's of, it. That's the end of that tunnel anecdote. Of egg. That's all I had for that. Um, I was gonna psych like armchair psychoanalyze you when I found out what you had called it as a y- youngster, but above ground pool. Uh, <laughs> I'm just really excited about it. No, yeah. yeah, no. As a kid, I I I only liked my egg scrambled and. Uh, toast was fine but like toast and eggs was like not even on the menu that was not a thing that i would have wanted for breakfast Hmm. i got into eggs in like college like like eggs and coffee both like college is when i started to realize oh yeah these things are pretty good partly because they're cheap and you can make them really easily (laughs) uh also hangovers also Hmm. also good for that so so yeah no yeah caffeine are very key to the hangovers So I think making scrambled eggs in a hole in the middle of a piece of bread would be a pretty weird. No, thing you to want do. it to. The reason like bullseye works as a descriptor for it is because you get the yolk in the middle, and then the white, and then the toast. So you yeah. kind of get this concentric. I think I thought. I think I thought egg yolk was gross, uh, based mostly on hard-boiled eggs at Easter time, because hmm. uh, I, I still to this day think like like a hard, bright yellow. Uh, Solid yolk is the grossest fucking thing. Well, that's like, what that's why deviled ugh. eggs are so such a thing. And deviled eggs are great because right. yeah, you whip that stuff up, then okay, I'm on board. But just just the, just the round solid, no, just like just do what God intended and use it as a super ball or something because that does not go in your mouth. Uh, and I think that may have biased me against even approaching like runny yolks. But also, I didn't like. I had a real like. Uh, non-affinity antipathy toward let's say antipathy sure mm-hmm. uh, towards uh, towards gooey things and slimy things as a kid like I did not want to play in the mud I did not want to use the paste you know I, I, I was really averse to anything that was sort of 
like slimy or clammy or mm. whatnot. You know, mm-hmm. it's like a, it was a total thing with me. One that I don't think I ever enunciated well as a kid because you're a kid, you're an idiot. You don't right, know. Right. You don't know that if something bothers you for like completely ridiculous neurotic reasons, you can actually just say, "Hey, I realize this is weird, but this bothers me, and I'd prefer to avoid it." You know, it's like my parents would have been totally accommodating sure. if I had known I could say that. But uh, you're a kid, you know. Uh, so I think I think I may have been just like egg yolks may have been a non-starter just because they were too much like anything else I didn't want to touch. I certainly don't want to touch it with my mouth. Let's not, you know, that just got sort of sort of dirty sounding. Uh. <laughs> yeah, we could really cut this episode into something really like saucy. I think <laughs> with the, with the right creative <laughs> editing. I was just saying that with uh, uh, Yakov last week for the uh, We Have Such Films to Show You podcast about the prophecy. Oh, there's yeah. a number of... Uh, there's a number of scenes that basically come off, and I think sort of intentionally, even though it doesn't necessarily serve the film, as sort of like like pedophile movie bait. Hmm. Like, 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 I mean, I don't know if bait's the word. Uh, there, there's a couple of scenes that, without getting into the rest of what's going on in that film, there's, uh, there's a couple of angels who've come down from heaven to get involved in some dirty fighting over a dark soul because there's some war in heaven. And so you got Christopher Walken as the archangel Gabriel, and you've got uh, Eric Stoltz, uh, who maybe we talked about last time uh, as being the guy who they shot a bunch of Back to the Future with before they shot it with Michael J. Fox all over again. I don't think that was maybe that was me, a different. Uh, disc- I maybe do we know talked that. About, yeah. I do know that story though. Uh, anyway, so so Stoltz is the angel Simon, and uh, Simon and Gabriel are sort of fighting over trying to find this dark soul. Uh, but you get a soul out of someone by like basically doing mouth to mouth and you put a soul into someone the same way, apparently. So Simon goes and steals this soul from a dead guy in the ground. And then he's afraid that Christopher Walken's going to successfully track him down. And he's trying to hide the soul. So he finds this little girl cause he's hiding in a school in Arizona in a small town. And this little girl finds him and they talk and there's this like, Hey, I want to show you something. This needs to be our little secret you're very smart. You're so clever. Let me sort of touch you a little bit and come here and let me put my mouth on your mouth. Uh, hmm. And he's transferring this soul to, into a But the whole thing, like, you would totally just, it'd be trivial to cut this and turn it into this uh, sort of pedophile scene, like something from a Lifetime uh, movie or some shit like that. And uh, it's weird because you, you could really, I feel like you could cut the prophecy down to 15 minutes, carefully cut to be some sort of weird story. And then later, Christopher Walken's holding kids on his lap and touching their mouths and stuff. And the whole thing, it's because it's not supposed to, I don't, I, I, I'd be curious to hear the thoughts of the director and the writer on this because I don't feel like they were trying to create some sort of allegory to the idea of angel-human relations and pedophilia. And it seems like they could have directed these scenes in ways that didn't needlessly bring up sort of the specter of this is like a creepy pedophile thing going on. And it's not supposed to be sympathetic. I mean, you're supposed to be sort of creeped out by the angels, I think. But I don't think you're supposed to be creeped out in a child molesting sort of way. And it's it's a whole thing. I could go on at length, but I don't think I have a whole lot of uh, profundities on the subject. I'm just going to keep saying it's weird. Yeah, that story was weird. <laughs> And that's that's uh, that's how we do it. Well, I was going to ask if you had any other uh, big uh, big questions, uh, but I forgot about that. But you have just discovered uh, the 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 viewer, the viewer, the listener. Sure, that's why you can't see this because you're not a viewer, right? The reader, uh, the yes, the reader uh, cannot see. But we record this around a pool table, at least so far. Uh, we might have to switch it to a table at some point so i have a pool table back so i can never play pool again but uh right it's not also, like i it's have a, been. it's an uncomfortable thing to ram your knees up into it is kind of yeah it's not great getting your knee all up in that thing because it's not really meant for sticking your knee under uh but the upside is if there's a few uh balls in the corner pocket uh jesse has discovered you can use the corner pocket as a uh, cup holder just drop a beer right in there and it uh, it looks right at home so yeah i did discover go. that's a true story yes so if you're if you're running low on cup holders, buy a pool table. <laughs> That's your life hack. I'm trying to think. I probably do have another big question <laughs> that's bugged me. Oh Jesus! So we we got Chinese food for dinner, which was tasty. Uh, you know the and, deviled eggs thing almost launched me off into this whole side tangent. Oh it's yeah, it's like this is really like 
a bottomless conversational pit for me <laughs> deviled eggs really yeah but i don't want to do it okay well, like before we even started this podcast i was trying to think of like is there anything i could even talk about that's like could even carry a conversation forward and immediately i thought of this deviled eggs thing that's been an ongoing argument between me and one other guy and our extended you know social group as well by collaterally well if this is if this is a um, real uh... but it's it's so it's been going on for really like eight years or something. This ongoing argument, and it's it's been through Ask Metafilter. It's been through all of our friends, and it's just like so. I'm so sick of it. But well, it's also this, like it, is, sort of is just this like the question of whether a deviled egg is one half of one an egg half or of one egg. egg. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah no, it's a, it's a it's a good one. And uh, yeah, man, yeah, it's, it's not a good one. I'm so <laughs> done. I don't know why I brought it up except to just say that I don't want to bring it up. <laughs> well, I've written it down. And, and I almost... And we, I'll hijack you we with it really, at some point in the future. We even just naturally got to deviled eggs for a moment there, and I just bit my fucking tongue. It's such... It's... I mean... <sighs> Judge John Hodgman weighed in on this already and everything. Like, the the argument's over. The argument is over. But the and wound yet it's not still healing. right. The wound doesn't heal. <laughs> Well, I, I, I've written it down, and, and oh, I'll spring it on you sometime, but we won't get into yeah. it now. I was going to say, we had Chinese food for dinner, and I just remembered this, because this is like an example of me being terrible at multitasking sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, we, we, we decided to go simple, and like uh, it's uh, this generous portion, so we ordered like one entree. We got the almond chicken stir-fry and a, a side of egg rolls. And so I, I go and pick it up, and I bring it home, and we're unpacking it in the kitchen, and uh, we've got everything out and everything's there and yay, it's time for dinner and this is awesome. But they decided this must have been one person. So there's one fortune cookie, mm. you know, which is a bummer. It's like, eh, you know, and it's the weirdest thing because I was there and someone had clearly not taken their fortune cookie off the little tray that they got their check on. So it was just sitting there by the cash register. And I actually had this moment where I was like, I bet I could totally just take that fortune cookie. And then it's like, am I seriously going to try and steal a fortune cookie I should just ask for a fortune cookie if I want one. But it's like the thought that I could just pocket it and clearly it would be a zero sum, everything is okay sort of thing. It was an odd moment. But that's not the point. The point is we're, we're unpacking. We've you know, you can get a bag cookie. of like a hundred fortune oh, cookies I know. for a dollar. I know, I know. They really it's, are it's, like cheap pieces the, of shit. It'd be the dumbest thing to steal. <laughs> the dumbest thing to steal. I won a giant bag of fortune cookies one time in the fifth grade and that's a whole other story. But... uh how but, do you know which fortune is yours when you get a bag? It's, though? it's well, confusing. You just eat them all, I guess. Yeah, I guess um, so. yeah, that is a whole other story. Jesus Christ, it's all coming back to me. But here, let me tell you what not, you do not, when you have two people and you only get one fortune cookie. What do you do? You like a wishbone. You each hold one end of it and you pull it apart, and whoever get take, comes away with a fortune, it's their fortune. See, that'd be smart. But I was feeling cleverer, so what I did was I I just opened up the fortune cookie and I tore the fortune in half, and then we each read our left and right halves of it. Mm. They didn't make a lot of sense, but they were kind of evocative. Uh, and I think we decided that they were more evocative by far as one and the other than they were as, you know, a, a sure. complete fortune, which was like, I think too many people spend time reading the menu instead of enjoying the banquet or something was the mm, full, you know, something mm-hmm. like that, you know, typical fortune cookie bullshit, basically. Right. How, have you ever had a fortune cookie that literally had a fortune in it? Like a thing that, like a like, prognosticatory... Like no, not a fortune like in, in monetary terms, but like actually said what your future was going to be in any meaningful way. Well, in meaningful? I mean, there's been I mean, not meaningful, ones. but yeah, horoscope. I, Even I, that yeah, I've never yeah, seen. Yeah, They're like, always just stupid platitudes. I think it just depends on the fortune cookie shop. I've, I've definitely seen some that are like very mild sort of uh, horoscope. They start with like, you will, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah. I don't or, think I've ever seen that. Or or expect, huh, or, yeah. you know, soon something, blah, blah. Sure. Yeah, I've seen a few No, they're always like, the two cows spoil the grass or some fucking yeah, you, shit. <laughs> those fucking cows, they're worse than cats. They're basically the cats of ranches. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah. so we tear this in half, right? And, and we're sort of discussing this, and I'm so engrossed in us discussing... Uh, are torn in half fortunes and their relative evocativeness that then Angela's like, uh, hey, where's the other half the cookie? And I'm, <laughs> I've eaten it. I just ate my half. And then I just, I was, it's like eating popcorns. This, this tearing this fortune in half, half thing is great. I'm just going to munch, munch. And yeah, so that's how I stole both halves of the fortune cookie, basically, mm. is uh, the end of the story here. I am, I am a selfish husband, is, is the, uh, <laughs> 
Right. So <laughs> she's filing the divorce papers now. Is you know, she you is? know yeah. Okay. It's, she's upstairs working on that. And uh, <laughs> it's a real uh, unfortunate turn of events. <laughs> Who gets the cats is my question. <laughs> uh, we're sending them to a ranch. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna start working uh, part-time as cows. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, I think we're 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 probably up to an hour here. So uh, thank Christ. Yeah, it was a good time. I, I, yeah. I just we're we're we're, uh, we're I think we're figuring out uh, the limitations of our uh, <laughs> specific uh, non-planned bantering uh, maneuvers here, and uh, I'm having a good time. And hey, beer, and uh, yeah. So I know I'm having a good time. Yeah, I like right. it. It's, yeah. it's I don't know. It's as much as I joke about it. Hopefully others will enjoy it too. But if we're getting something out well, of it, that seems like good enough. Don't get out you know. of yourself. Yeah, no, no that, that cultural studies, man. Fifty years from now, <laughs> those kids are going to be fucking loving it. For you know, they're just happy because Vincent Price is their teacher. <laughs> Gay Vince, they call him. It'll just mean happy again then. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we'll 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 see y'all next time. This has been uh, the crapshoot. I'm Josh. That's Jesse. Yep. And. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. All right. Talk to you later. <laughs>